And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Seven fifty-five is real with David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty is on the air now. Hello and welcome into an all-new edition of Seven Fifty-Five is Real. Producer Cam here with you, David O'Brien and Eric O'Flaherty, taking your Braves questions in real time on the Athletic app in today's podcast. Both guys still traveling EOF in Hawaii, and David traveling all across the land to try to cover these Braves games as we approach the postseason. In today's show, the guys tackle the Braves' path to the playoff, especially after last night's loss to the Nationals. How will the last couple of series shake out for Atlanta? In addition, the guys answering your questions about the postseason roster. Could we even see Bryce Elder, after his terrific start against the Nationals, make the cut and potentially even pitch in the playoffs? And also, a quick look at the Mets showdown for this weekend, a critical series to decide the division crown. If you guys like to be updated when we host these live rooms, make sure to follow David and Eric on Twitter at D.O.BrienATL and at EOF34. Also, make sure to follow 755 is Real on all podcast platforms if you haven't already. Apple, Spotify, your podcast player of choice. It also helps us out if you leave a review and a five-star rating. In addition, if you haven't already, make sure to go subscribe to our YouTube channel where we post all of the shows on there for your convenience, including our video shows, which we'll be getting back to shortly after the guys are done with all this travel. As always, the support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you guys. Without further ado, here's David and Eric. Evan D. What's up, Evan? Hey, how y'all doing? Not bad. Uh, Just two quick questions. If you caught Judge's 60-second home run ball, what would you ask for? And why are the Braves so bad at extra inning games? I wouldn't ask for anything other than a bat because people that ask for people that try to fund their kids' college education are assholes off of somebody else's, uh, <laughs> off of somebody else's big moment. I but, agree. Uh, um, but I hopefully it lands in a bullpen like last night's did. That was awesome. Yeah, I wouldn't ask for anything. I'd get a bat. I'd get a signed bat. That'd be cool. I mean, Maybe I think Jersey. You're getting something if you don't ask for anything anyway, but you look better. Right. Whatever they offer me, that's what I'd take because yeah. they always offer something good. You know, I wouldn't get these people that ask for season tickets and that kind of thing are autographs from other players. That's just ridiculous. Yeah. You know, they're just going to sell them. You know, it's not yeah, a profit making thing. It should be a memory thing, man. Yeah, I agree. Especially with a like Pujols' 700th. I would have. I, w- I probably wouldn't even ask for a bat. Like, that's just, that's his. That's, that's his achievement. Well, he's going to do something for you anyway, especially if you show that kind yeah, of grace exactly. and just give it to him. You'll get something better probably. Exactly. He's probably going to thank you, and it's going to be pretty cool. You're going to look really magnam- magnanimous. Is that the word? Yeah. You're gonna look. Uh, you're gonna look. Gr- you're gonna look great. Much better than you look from saying when they say, "Well, what did the person get?" And you go, "Oh, we were offered this, and he took this, and then he said, uh, you know, we'll give him five bats and six balls and 
eight jerseys and uh, season tickets, and that was what it cost. You know, then you just look ridiculous. So, yeah. but um, as far as what, how, why the Braves are not bad, are, are bad in extra innings, it really haven't been that bad this year for a while. They were it started out bad, just like they were last year, but uh, before last night they were five hundred, um, whereas the 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 Nationals were two and seven, I think it was. So, I don't know. I don't know that. I don't know that they still haven't figured out this kind of exactly what kind of strategy they want to do. Some people uh, almost automatically uh, intentionally walk somebody, you know, to set up double play. Um, Braves really don't do that. Um, and, and, you know, if you think about it, the type of team they are, and Snit said it a hundred times, they hit home runs. They, they, have, they literally are the only team in history that's never had a sacrifice bunt in a season. They've got six more games. If they don't get a sacrifice bunt, not only that, but no team's ever had fewer than four, and they're going to have zero. So if you think about it, they're a team that hits home runs. They don't bunt, and they don't play small ball. So those are the things that win you these extra inning games when you start with a runner at second base. So unless you're going to hit a two-run yeah. homer, you know. Their lineup's built yeah. to score three runs, four runs yep. in an inning, not one. Yep, yep. So, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, the things that Snit says that they are built to do are not the things that win extra inning games that when you start with a runner at, sec- at, runner at second base. And if, you, if you're the visiting team and you don't uh, score at all in that first, then, then the home team, all they have to do is get that run. All they have to do is hit two ground balls and they win. Yeah. You know, or a ground ball and a sack fly and you win. Yeah, I mean, they got the sack fly from Acuna. Well, not a sack fly, but they got the fly out from Acuna yesterday, which was essentially a bunt. You know, you got the runner to third with one out. But, I mean, this, the Nationals had a dude, that Finnegan guy, is throwing 99 and, and locating it pretty well. He's going to get some strikeouts. They tend to strike out. And he got the, yeah, yeah, exactly. Just, I, I'm, I should know this, but I'm hoping – do they have that rule in the postseason? No. Okay, thank God. No. <laughs> Because you go extra innings with this team in the postseason, you know that they're likely to maybe not score the first inning, but maybe put up three and right, and it's a wrap after that. Yeah, they're they're built a lot better for it. Yeah, if you think about it, I mean, how cheap would that be for the World Series to end with the Ghost Runner? I, I know I should know the answer to that, but the rules. No, I know, so but much. yeah, but it's not obvious. I mean, yeah, and it has it's changed so much and. Uh, by the way, the other night we got a look at what the uh, what at what games are going to look like next year with the pitch clock. When uh, Elder came up, it was beautiful, man. It was like two hours and twenty minutes, I think. And because uh, Elder has pitched with a pitch clock all year, <laughs> and those guys come up, and it's it's beautiful. It's so noticeable, man. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate the general concept of putting a clock on a baseball game, but it's gotten to the point where hitters step out every pitch. Pitchers are shaking, stepping off, picking over. I mean, an, an at-bat should never take five minutes, and some of them do. It's just it's not good for baseball, to the routines guys have built. No, I'm all for it. I mean, I just thought that game was so much more enjoyable. It was moving so crisp. I mean, a lot of that was him pitching so well, getting – and getting outs, you know, pitching yeah. to contact, but uh, strikes, right, right. But but he's but it's obvious when these guys come up who pitched on the pitch clock all year, like Mueller, like Tucker Davidson early on when he had pitched. You know, th- they work quick. I never understand it, guys that walk around the mound and get their. I mean, it takes two seconds to read a swing. You know what you want to throw? Step back on the mound and throw it. Especially starters, you know. I mean, yeah. I, you know, closers, their whole thing. They just are. 
they're so into that and it's right right like uh, Papelbon was the ultimate guy I mean and Kim Lake takes forever too but Papelbon just like every pitch was just a drama you know I'm gonna do my thing I'm gonna glare in over my glove it's like come on man I tried to get the ball and throw before I could think (laughs) yeah (laughs) I was right back on it give me a sign I'll throw whatever you put down let's get this over with all right who else we got thanks guys thanks evan yeah michael i don't know this l or i you always get get a little worked up over it it looks like an l but i think it's an i hey how um what's your thought on i I know the team's gonna say it wasn't a big deal how much do you think last night's loss and then the mets comeback win hurts i mean obviously it's got a huge impact going into this weekend does that linger with them with the day off, or is that, or is that something at this point in time you just shake off and move on? It sucks, right? But I don't think it changes the the general mindset that you got to take care of business against the Mets when they come to town. It would have been huge to uh, be tied, but it's not going to change your overall mindset that this is the biggest series of the year and you have to play well here. It, it, neither one of those games would matter if they suck. Okay. Yeah, this game, this team, if if they've shown me anything, and their mantra is, you know, is you worry about today's game and that's it. You can't change what happened in the past. You're not going to change what's going to happen in the future. Just look at today's game and play it. And and they've that's how they've been able to do what they've done the last two years and come and start slow and then and then reel everybody in because they don't worry about you know what happened yesterday. So. Um, yeah, Let's I mean, I was say, there, and I just thought they were going to be able to finish it off, and it, it was it was tough to watch. But you know, just the the atmosphere and lots of uh, Braves fans was awesome. Well, let's just say it affects the fans, it lingers with the fans, uh, and sure. on Twitter and everything, a hell of a lot longer than it does with the players. <laughs> yeah, I shook it off. I was just curious how they do. Yeah, you know, I mean, they got to come out. Take a tough they, loss. Go it's ahead, a tough dude. loss, right? But they got to, you know, they got to sweep the series, and and but that's what they were going to try to do anyway. You know, they were going to yeah. try to win every game because when this is over, it's they still got three games to play, and they're going to have to face Alcantara down in Miami. So, I mean, everybody's thinking that this series was going to determine everything. No, if they were tied, the Braves could have. It, it would have been great because the Braves could have uh, uh, gotten the home field advantage by by sweeping, but they have to get, they have to sweep to get home field advantage anyway. You know what I mean? I mean, because the Mets are up nine to seven, it's head to head is the home field advantage. So the Braves would have to sweep to get home field advantage, regardless of whether what happened last night, it's head to head record. So it's going to really matter. I mean, each team has to play a series that next week. We just saw the, the Nats can be pesky with certain pitchers going. And we know what the Marlins could do with Alcantara pitching. He's got a, or Alcantara, he's got a, they got a winning record with him pitching <laughs> despite their yeah. horrible record. They got a winning record with him like 19 and 14 or something. So yeah. that's not a given at all. So yeah, it sucked. It was a bad loss, but, uh, you know, and I'm like you, I thought they were going to win it too. I, w- I will say one thing as bad as Odorizzi's been because he's not been good. That one wasn't on him last night. They got him out of there and the bullpen was incredible. Do you realize the bullpen was perfect last night until they gave up the inherited run? (laughs) Yeah. Five and a third perfect innings from five relievers. I was just happy to see Jesse Chavez in person. 
<laughs> he's the man. Lucky man. But they, yeah, uh, I think, you know, with, but with they just scored, things. but, but, the, but they scored two runs. It wasn't on, yeah. it was on, it was not on last night. It was not on Odorizzi. It was on an offense that got two hits off of, off of, uh, Josiah Gray, who had a five something ERA. They got two hits in six innings against him. And one of them was Matt Olson's opposite field home run. One other hit. Yeah. It's for me, it's, you know, it's when I got in, out into the real world, um, after being in baseball, you're so trained not to really let anything affect your mindset and to be able to take loss and failure. And I'd be hanging out with a buddy and he was just, his day was ruined because he got stuck in a little bit of traffic. Um, in baseball, you know, you, you have these <laughs> tough breaks and these things happen and you just learn to shake them off and, and you learn how valuable a positive mindset is. So when a team loses a game like that, you're pissed for like 20 minutes and then you put it behind you and you get ready for the next game. And I'm sure that's the team's mindset. And like Dave said, they, they know they have to sweep, you know, for, for home field and, and they probably have to sweep to win a division. Um, so it's, it's a huge series regardless. And, you know, you take a tough loss like that, you shake it off and you're ready to play on Friday. And if they sweep, I mean, uh, it's not likely, but they, uh, we've seen DeGrom. I mean, he got, he got lit up by Oakland last week. Yeah. So is he going to be, is he going to get, is he going to get pitched poorly two times back to back? I don't know, but yeah. uh, he's not, he's not, you know, Sandy Koufax out there and anything can happen with Scherzer. I mean, he's dominant one time and then the next time he's got a twinge and he's out of the game. So, yeah. and you know, Bassett in the last game against Charlie, that could that could go either way. So, but here's the thing: they can win the division still without even sweeping. Now they need to sweep. They need to to do that to get home field advantage. And then if it's tied, they've got home field advantage. So I mean, or not home field advantage. They got the the tiebreaker. They win the division if it's tied. You know what I mean? So they yep. need to sweep to get that. But barring that, if they could win two out of three, and two, if they three. win two out of three, it's tied again, right? The Mets have the the tiebreaker, but then if the Marlins could sweep, I mean, the Braves could sweep the Marlins, which they certainly can do, then all it would take is one loss for uh, of the Mets against the, uh, the Nationals, and the Braves got the division. Yeah. So those, those last three, people keep forgetting those last three, you know, but those are going to be important, obviously. And, um, you know, they need to at least win two out of three. Let's put it that way for sure. Because yeah, if you win one, it's done. If you win, if you only win one game, it's, it's, the, yeah. it, for all intents and purposes, it's over because the, the Nationals are not going to get swept by the, I mean, the, the Mets are not going to get swept by the Nationals. No. But if you could win two out of three and then you could go down to Miami and sweep them, then all it would take was the Mets, you know, to lose one game against the Nationals. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough. It's, one game doesn't seem like a lot, but at this point, it's against a really good team that's going to win 100. It's it's really – it's going to take some it's going to take some good fortune, but they could still do it. And if they don't, you know, for me, I look at this series as basically a, a chance to get ready for the playoffs and feel a playoff series and face really good pitching and yeah. sharp for the postseason. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Eric, let's hear from today's sponsors. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I love the wild card series compared to the wild card game, Me but uh, man, of all the years, you know, without having because they had to condense everything and all that, um, this is just the year that you want, and and because of who your opponent is in the division series from this side of the bracket, yeah. If you're the if you're the wild card team instead, if you're the runner up division runner up, you with the wild card instead of uh, the division champion, just having to face the rested Dodgers. With your number three or number four starter, you know, going in game one, that's tough. That's a tough duty, man. Yeah, it is. Out there. That's probably the biggest hurdle is just how it affects your rotation. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you can make a case that you're better off as far as the other players playing rather than having five days of rest. You yeah. could make definitely make that case. Hundred oh, percent. Not not. And the relievers too. For five days and then trying to. Yeah, somebody's ace. And the yeah, and the relievers as well. You could argue that they're better off not having you know a f- five days, everybody five days, and having to throw bullpens or whatever. But yeah, the starting thing is the thing, especially when you got aging guys, you know, that are going to get full rest. Like it's going to allow like Kershaw, you know, and just uh, that that's a that's a that's a tall task right there to have to use your you know two or maybe even three of your guys, and you got to hope the Strider is ready, you know. But if you were able to, if if and that's the other huge thing for the Braves, why this this particular year is so important to win the division, you get a whole nother week rest for Strider with that oblique if you win the division and you don't have to use him in a in a uh, wild card series. Yeah, and obliques are those, you know, those are they're kind of scary because if you're feeling anything in there and it's mm-hmm. still there, it can just, you know, it can be kind of nagging, and then with any movement, it can just pop on a guy, and it's that's a wrap for sometimes yeah. it's six weeks. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're talking about not to pitching again until spring training, probably. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you pull that thing, you know, he just had he just had some soreness, so I think that was really smart to stop when they did, and then and for him to say something, um, I, I feel pretty I'm pretty confident that he's going to be ready, but um, you know, I don't really have anything to base that on other than just how they characterized it when the act when the when the incident occurred. You know, he kept. He pitching it didn't he didn't mention it after the game at all he just felt some soreness later yeah uh, you know it, it, it'd be so. scary if he came out of a game with it i mean right only if a guy feels it in the game and has to pull himself out it's going to be a minute right he didn't like even come to the interview room with this you know with this with a wrap around it or anything yeah. so that's probably just something minor they're being real careful with and hope that's best case uh luke yeah. F. yeah what's up luke hey can you hear me yep yes sir Hey guys, uh, I kind of wanted to look outside of the Braves for a second. So there's two managerial openings at the end of the year outside of, in the already in the division. Um, and there's gonna, probably going to be a couple more. You, it's probably only a matter of time before somebody like Walt Weiss gets a job, right? I mean, 
he's been credited a lot with uh, with success for the Braves, and I don't think Wash will get a job. I think if he was going to take a job, it would have been last year, I think, but probably think it's only a matter of time before the Braves lose some guys on the staff, right? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, they have an old staff uh, by today's standards. I mean, they have a terrific staff. I've said that. I think they have the best coaching staff in baseball. I really do. Um, but they're old as far as today's managers. And, I mean, let's be honest. Uh, most teams, if not the vast majority of teams, want a puppet manager. They want a, t- a manager that is going to listen to the GM and the yeah. analytics people and incorporate all of the analytics that they have and all that. Um the Braves kind of have the perfect mix of a, of a, of a GM president of baseball operations, Alex Anthopoulos, who is both heavy into analytics and heavy into scouting, heavy into old school and new school. And he's got a perfect manager who has a staff that has adapted to that and is, and is really good at presenting analytics to players and all that. And but anyway, my, 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 the long story, the long way of winded answer is, um, most teams are going to hire as we've seen time and time again now, guys with very little managerial experience. I mean, there are exceptions, obviously, like Showalter. Thompson gets a job in Philly. It was a lot like Snit stepping in mid, you know, midstream uh, with a long background in minor as a minor league manager. But those are very few and far between these days. Most of them are young guys, former players, uh, guys that come over from, uh, you know, from from coaching, but are young and are heavily versed in analytics, that kind of thing, and and uh, and Walt is, is a great bench coach, but you know he butted heads with the, with the front office people in Chicago in in, uh, in Denver with with the Rockies because they had a real ass as a president. I mean, Walt's a great dude, and he just he didn't want to take the guy's crap. Um, so, but you get a reputation of you know you, you're not a guy that'll just do whatever they say, and that's what a lot of these teams want. I mean. There's no doubt in my mind Wash could be a great manager right now, but I don't I don't see a team hiring a seventy something year old guy to manage right now. I mean, with Buck being the exception, um, you know, and and you know, and look at Larusa. I mean, he made it through like half a year last year through a year where you know he said some things, but it worked out because they played to, uh, they they played for him. But look at this year, it was just a disaster there. So, you know, there's not really not a whole lot of of that going on right now. So I, I, I don't know if they'll lose their guys or not. I mean, they're not going to lose, uh, you know, Seitzer's not going to go manage anywhere. He loves what he does. He's like, he's a hitting coach. That's it. Um, Cranny, their pitching coach. He's not going to go manage anywhere. You know, he's an old pitching coach, loves doing what he does. So they might get lucky. I mean, bad, uh, you know, unfortunate for a guy who does want to manage again, but while, while Walt, or Wash would love to have a good managerial job, would take it. They also love what they do, and I don't think either of them are, are disappointed to be here. You know, and like like both of them have told me, you know, if I got another job, yeah, that'd be great. But I also love what I'm doing. But you know what else they love? Yeah. Playoff shares. <laughs> exactly, I mean, man. You're, you're looking at making an extra hundred to maybe four hundred grand. Yeah, closer to 400 if you World Series. Yeah, World Series is four. I mean, if you just make the playoffs and lose in the first round, it's like 60, 70 grand. So yep, yeah. If you don't even win a, if you don't win a game, you you're getting an extra. So for me, it's like you know, you might be able to make a little more as a manager. I'm not sure what they're paying managers these days. Some of them are getting paid pretty well, but yeah, you, you might be able to make a little more. But you can go manage a team that's going to lose a hundred games, or you can have the time of your life winning a hundred. 
and getting and have a chance to make 100 to 400 grand with your postseason share. Um, if I'm a coach on the Braves right now, I'm not going anywhere until this runs over. Yeah, man, people don't realize how much those playoff shares mean to uh, people other than players and even players, well, the young lives. ones, because the and the Braves have a lot of guys making minimum, you know, like like stars, like like Michael yeah. Harris and Strider. Yep. And man, like last year, you know, they got like three, four hundred, uh, close to four hundred grand per per person. That's like more than half their salary for a lot of those young guys. Yeah. And then the front office and and like people like the clubbies and everything that they vote if they vote them a full share. Oh my God, you're talking life changing money for them. They can go buy the house that they've been or pay off their whole house or whatever they want to oh, do. Yeah. One one World Series run, you know, if you're if you're a clubhouse attendant or somebody that's probably making 60 70 grand a year yeah you make one world series run and get voted a full share you're paying off your house you know there's so many things that it, it changes yeah. people's lives a world series run but our pitching coaches, and a pitching yeah coaches double their salary or triple their salary yeah exactly <laughs> so, so. I, I, for me if i'm a coach and, and a team's going to the playoffs every year and i'm getting that bonus at the end of the season you'd have to offer me a pretty damn cool job somewhere else to even think about taking it because this team's going to be they're going to continue to be good yeah yeah i don't know i don't know if they're if, if I, I, I i'm like i'm like what you just said if if wash was going to get that job i think it would have been a couple of years ago the rangers that was right there oakland was right there those are the two obvious ones and they both had an opening and they neither one of them look what that look what the a's did they went to cots they went to Kotze with no managerial experience yep. You know, I mean, Koch is no puppet, but he's a former player who understands, you know, embraces analytics and all that and, and knew that they were going to lose a ton and all that with this team. Yeah. And that's not really a situation for Wash, you know, to be in. But, uh, you know, the Rangers, they thought they were going to be pretty good. They spent some money, but they suck. They're terrible. And they didn't hire Wash, you know, and they had a chance. And he went, he took them to two World Series and they didn't fire him. Yeah. So. The ship might have sailed there, and if so, the Braves are lucky because he is such an integral part of everything they do. Wash is hugely important to the Braves. Well, look at that infield, man. Just look what their infield has done the last few years. Yeah, you really can't put a put a number on what he's worth. Yeah, yeah. just a motivational, just what he means to the clubhouse chemistry, motivating not just the infielders, motivating everybody. And and you know when they see him out there, you know this old guy out there. Busting his ass in the heat, you know. <laughs> if you're a young guy and you see that, you're like, I need to get out there and work. <laughs> yep. He comes in every day. He's doing his, his uh, core program. He's doing everything. And the, the best thing about watching the clubhouse is there's always one guy he's talking shit to. And they yeah. go back and forth. Oh, yeah. And, and you get Wash going and somebody pissed him off and he just lights him up and the whole clubhouse is laughing. That's the stuff that gets you through the year. And Weiss is a great bench coach, man. He is. I, I know, you know, he's. From what I understand, all the players loved him out there, or most of them did as manager, and I think he could be a good manager still. But man, he's really good as a bench coach. He's, uh, you know, he's got he's got that respect. He's still young enough that the players, you know, see him as you know one of them, and uh, and you don't mess with him, man. He's a tough dude, yep. <laughs> so he can be kind of the good cop, bad cop for Snit, but uh, he really doesn't need to be. I mean, he just says something, people listen. They don't mess with him. And uh, I think he's good with with Snit, with making decisions and all that. And uh, you know, the guy I hated seeing leaving was Terry Pendleton. I really thought he was a big, could have been a big part of the staff. But the staff has been really good, so you can't really complain. And and I liked when they added Eddie Perez back to the staff. 
Yes. He's Eddie's really good. <laughs> Eddie will keep you humble too. Oh yeah, man. He's they he just adds another piece to that chemistry, you know? They've all got a distinct personality and they all add something to it. And they've all and they've covered all the bases as far as having having a couple of Latin, having a couple of Spanish speaking coaches that make the the Latin guys feel part of the team all the time. They never feel like they're being left out or anything. You know, they got some old school guys, they got some new school guys, they got a analytics guy in the bullpen, heavy, heavy analytics. They got a pitching coach who's old school, but 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 it's not, you know, doesn't doesn't uh doesn't uh, scoff at the analytics and cranny, you know, they, they got a really good mix. And it, as long as they can keep it together for a few more, a few more years for some of those guys start to get too old. They uh, are kind of in that sweet spot. They're still in that, yeah. it, that helps in that championship window. Yep. Thanks Luke. Philip. What's up, Philip? Yeah. What's up guys? Hey, what happened? Taking my... Good, good. Um, <clears throat> I got a question, and Dave, you kind of touched on it a little bit earlier in some of your comments, but, you know, Elder has been really, really impressive uh, in his few opportunities that he's gotten so far this year, and, you know, we've all noticed uh, the inconsistencies, to say the least, with Oda Rizzi. Mm -hmm. So with the, as they're starting to kind of, you know, sketch this out with roster construction for at least the first and possibly second rounds of the playoffs, depending on how far they get. Uh-huh. What are your thoughts on whether or not Elder will make the cut and possibly get an opportunity to start in the playoffs, or is it a bullpen opportunity? So that's uh, that's my question. I think he's going to make it, and I, th- I don't think Odorizzi's going to make it. I mean, I don't see any rationale for having Odorizzi on the playoff roster and not having Elder on it. I just don't see any rationale for having Odorizzi on it, period. Because you got Elder now, and he can be your Kyle Wright last year that Kyle was in the World Series, but he can do it for all the rounds for you. Uh, as far as the start, that wouldn't be unless he's needed. You know, I mean, they got four guys. He's not going to start ahead of one of those guys, and they don't need five starters. But if something, I mean, we know how something can happen because it does. Yeah. seems like every postseason. You got one guy that's coming back from a from a from a oblique, you know. You got one guy last year broke his broke his uh, leg in the first first game of the World Series. I mean, things happen, man, and it would really be good and behoove them. And I'm sure they're they're already decided this probably to have Elder at the at, at the as ready as a long guy or ready to step in. To start last year, they started Dylan Lee. People forget they had bullpen games in the po- in the last rounds of the po- of the uh, postseason. They had a couple bullpen games. They started Dylan Lee, but that was the game that Kyle Wright ended up in effect, you know, starting because he came in in the first inning and what was dynamite. So this year they won't need to have a bullpen game if they have a guy like Elder on the staff and you got four starters too. Um, so I, I think it. I think he's kind of cemented it with how good he's been in September because it's not one or two starts. He's had four starts. Granted, they've been against the Nationals and the Marlins, but he's pitched really well. And he's the, the strides that he made this year in AAA are just so noticeable. For me, he's ready to go. Like if a starter has a rough start, I'm telling him you could be in in the second or third inning any game. Yeah, it's easy to tell that to a young, hungry, ripe. Uh, 
player mm-hmm. that, that's just getting making his footing in the big league. He's not going to have any trouble getting up for that game. He's going to have no trouble doing the preparation, being mentally locked in to pitch every day. And you have a bad start from a guy, you know, maybe Charlie comes out and doesn't have it and he's walking some guys. Uh-huh. He gives you the confidence that you can have that quick hook and he can come in and throw strikes and eat innings. And even if you're down in the game, he could save your bullpen for the next day. And, you know, we've talked about it plenty of times, what a what a value a really good long man has just on your whole team. But I'd have no problem putting him in, in that role, and I don't think he'd have any problem being in it. And him being 20, 21 or 22, and, and I think I'm not sure. He's a little older than the other guys because he three years of college. But um, no playoff experience, but – so in that role you're talking about, it can almost help him because he's not going to have time to think about a start, making a start. And if they're going to exactly. be, we need you in there. Oh, I'm ready. Let's go. You know, second inning, he's in there and pitches five innings, you know. So I think he's perfect for that role right now. He's pitching. He's pitching the best he's pitched in his life. You know, he's figured it out. He's not trying to overpower guys. He knows his his what his strengths are. And that's that nasty sinker and that terrific uh, slider to complement it, but really that sinker is just when it's on like it was the other night. My God, he could just you could throw it right down the middle, right-handers and left-handers, man. And if you know, without the extra inning rule, you get into a situation where maybe you burn the pen a lot the night before and you hit the extra innings. You could bring him in, and if he's hot, let him go five, let him go six. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you have a guy like that in extra innings, it's priceless. Yeah, especially when you and you got a couple other guys like McHugh that can go two innings. Mentor can go one plus inning. Jackson Stevens went two extra innings in Philly the other day, so they're they're set for that. And uh, you know, I really like their bullpen for the uh, for the postseason, um, especially with with uh, with Elder as a part of it as the long guy. And that's a quality long guy that can be a, that can give you a spot start in a heartbeat. Yeah, I mean, it, so. it allows you to use McHugh for a third of an inning. You know, yeah. if you've got a tough righty and you just want him to spin breaking balls at him, it allows you to do that with him. It allows you to use Chavez in different situations because you know you got length the next day with him sitting down there. But I think Odorizzi has pitched his way off the postseason roster. I just don't think you can have a guy that walks people like that, and, and it just really hasn't. I mean, if he pitched like he did in Houston, that's one thing, but he hasn't. He just hasn't. So I don't think you can take that. You can burn a spot on the roster hoping that he figures it out, you know. I mean, I think when you're I think, in that position, you understand it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I yeah. went to the Mets in 2015, and I was trash. And, the, you know, they have this meeting after the season. They call everybody in, and some guys get their feelings hurt and have to listen, you know, and have this long conversation. I walked in. I looked at Terry Collins. He looked at me, and I was like, I'll buy a flight home. <laughs> and we just laughed <laughs> because I was that bad. And, you know, the situation. I mean, it's you can't get your feelings hurt. They're trying to win a World Series, and, and you're not pitching well. It's a tough break. Yeah, yeah, and 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 Elder has pitched his way onto that roster. So yep, and that's just how it goes. You know, I mean, most guys are are very understanding of that. And also, Elder has pitched his way into into a very good possibility he could be pitching for a spot in a rotation next spring. Yeah, he's going to be competing for sure. I mean, we saw Kyle Wright take a step back in a spring a year, uh, two years ago. You know, pitched great for most of the spring and then and then bombed in the last couple starts and didn't make the rotation. So but he wasn't quite ready. And then he spent a year in triple and he was ready. Uh, Elder spent four months down there this year and he looks ready. And I think he can come to spring training next year and compete for a spot at the back of that rotation. Yep. Yeah, I agree. Guys, let's take a quick break and then we'll finish up the show. 
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ryan S. What's up, Ryan? You there? Yes. Hey. Hey, guys. Um, you know, I've, I've been watching a lot with Matt Olson lately, and, of course, lots of me to his struggles, and he's starting to come around at the plate the last couple games. Yeah, yes. I, I just, uh, you know, noticed kind of looking at his first home run of the season and the one he hit the other night opposite field, you can see the stance is noticeably different, different, especially with the hand placement. It looks like he's really inside, you know, at the plate right now. And Eric, I guess, you know, even though you want a hitter, you're a pitcher, you could probably relate to this. Can you talk about what it's like to go through a long season and the ups and downs of uh, mechanics and, and what these guys are going through? A lot of guys just kind of get stuck in between and can't commit to the change they know they need to make because you've got to hit today. Um, and maybe his struggles the last few weeks are him trying to make these changes, and you have to answer questions about it after game, and it's so tempting to go back to what you were doing, but that bad habit you created got you in trouble in the first place. So, I mean, it's just it's constant tinkering, and you can get yourself in trouble over tinkering, but you can also get yourself in trouble being too comfortable and, and not being willing to make that change. So I don't have any doubt that he's working his ass off. Um, yeah. And then, you know, and this is how it works. You know, get, you, you struggle making this adjustment. You're off and your timing's off or this is weird and you don't hit. And then all of a sudden it clicks. And what you've been working on in BP finally transferred to the game and you don't have to think anymore. But the the worst place to be in the world is instead of competing, you know, you're, you're playing baseball swing instead of baseball or you're playing, you know, baseball throw instead of pitching. Um, and it's when you struggle. You take those mechanical things out there with you and you're thinking mechanics on the mound, you forget to compete. Um, and I think it, it happens to the best of us. It happens to every player. Um, once you can get to a point where what you've been working on is just naturally flowing and happening in the game, then you can get back to looking at what you're actually trying to do with the pitch, what pitch you're hunting. But when you're caught in your mechanics, I mean, it is such an uphill battle. Um, it's almost hopeless. And I think a lot of guys just get stuck there. And, you know, the questions you answer from the media, the fans putting pressure on you, it doesn't compare to the pressure you're putting on yourself. And he knows he's been struggling, and it just kind of gets out of hand for you. But for me, the the last few games, the way he's been swinging the bat, and he's hitting the ball hard, um, even if the results aren't there right away, you find little victories like just hitting the ball hard, and you know the hits will come, and he's starting to look really good. Yeah, that opposite field homer was a really good sign last night, his 30th homer. Yep. By the way, it's best. Nice when you can slump for a couple of months and, and still hit 30 homers, huh? <laughs> yeah. Well, I what I like, too, is you're seeing, you're seeing him hit the ball to all fields the last couple yep. of nights. You know, and yep. I, he's pulling with, and he's hitting him either way. 
Yeah, and with some some exit velocity and stuff, and where yeah. he was just in that stretch where it just seemed like he was rolling over everything, weak contact. I, it still seems like they're they're pitching him down low, and he's chasing that a little bit. But I'm, it does look like his eye level is getting better. If you remember early in the season, he made a, he made some adjustments, and he really took off and went on that surge. And we were asking, what did he do differently? And he was kind of uncomfortable talking about it because he tried to downplay it. We were trying to, you know, make it out to be these, these changes that he made in his stance, his hand positioning was all, was, was why he was really taken off. And he tried to kind of downplay that, like kind of like you guys shouldn't get too carried away with that. Cause, cause I tinker with stuff all through a season when I'm, yes. when I'm, when things aren't going bad. So, or when things are going rough. So, he, so yes, he tinkered. He listened to some things sites told him he changed some things he took off, but he was kind of like letting us know. This doesn't guarantee anything. So I think, yeah. like Eric said, I think when he started really struggling and this thing was got pretty bad, like worst slump of his career, he was just in. I think he reverted to what, like Eric said, going back to what he was comfortable with in the past because he had a great season last year, you know, doing things that weren't working for him at the first part of this year and when he made changes and, and took off. So I think he probably consciously or subconsciously kind of reverted to that when he's in a box Maybe he's not even doing that in, in batting MVP, you know, but he gets in a box in the game and he's reverting to what was so comfortable for years before this. Yeah. And, you know, I think a lot of times, too, obviously, he's always going to be compared to Freddie and, you know, what Freddie's doing versus what he's doing. But, you know, if people remember Freddie would go through some slumps, obviously, maybe not as deep as as this was for Matt. But if you remember his MVP year, yep. he had a pretty rough start and he was yeah, but he was in a slump for the first three, four weeks. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he got off to a terrible start, and it was basically a third of the season because that was a short season. Yeah. And you, you see it all the time, guys that are going through this slump, and everybody wants them to change. And, and they just they say, you know, I know what works for me. I'm sticking with it. And that's one of the hardest things to do. And what you know works for you and what you know you're good at isn't playing out but sometimes it's a mental thing sometimes it's your approach you're not getting like you're not being patient enough and it has nothing to do with your swing uh the more you can do to just have a consistent swing and a consistent approach the more you're going to see consistent results but you know it's it's a long season your body goes through things hips get tighter you know your upper back gets tight and you're swinging a little different and look at austin riley right now yeah, Austin was an MVP in the middle of the season. He was right there, top three MVP, and he's going through a really brutal slump right now. Yeah, so it just and I thought he'd see how hard baseball is. Yeah, I thought he was past that, you know, but they're never past it. You're never past. You never. I, the only guys that play a really long time are the guys that completely understand that you're never one bad habit away from having an absolutely shit season, and can can handle that slump and can handle that failure and not think they're done and keep working through it. Yeah. Look, yeah, even Chipper even cliff. Chipper had a year where he had two forty something or whatever late yep. in his career. Those guys that you see just fall off a cliff are the ones that that can't you know, maintain their confidence and their approach through through those struggles. Right. But it's good to see Matt come out of it. Yeah. Thanks now they need to get Riley going. Those two are two so important to them in the postseason. As long as they get going in the next six days, they'll be good. Yeah, because they need to hit some home runs in the postseason. This team to win. They're gonna have to hit home runs. Yeah. Yeah, offense kind of goes as they go. Yep. Tony P. What's up, Tony? Hey, y'all. How's it going? Uh, Not bad. Dave, Eric, I just wanted to say first off, love the work. Dave, you're basically worth the whole athletic subscription on its own. So great work this season. 
love the live room. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Want to talk about want to talk about second base a little bit. Um, just wanted to see if there was an update on Ozzy. Uh, and sorry if you reported that and I missed it, but also love Orlando's magic that he's brought to the to the roster this year. It's been fantastic, but. Obviously, we're excited about Vaughn, too. He had a bit of a slump. He's been left out of the lineup. How's this going to go for them at second base over the next few weeks? And then what are they thinking about for the postseason? The second base is Ozzy maybe going to be back in time for the wild card series. Uh, and if not, well, he's, he's had his, hand, his hand was in a cast. His hand was in a cast okay. at the White House. So I am not expecting him back for the wild card series. So, but we have not had an update as far as what he's doing, but I just know his hand was in a hard full cast at the White House. So, um, and Arcia, the lot, you know, if you, if you saw the stats that posted the last, he's been incredible at Nationals Park. So there was no way Snit was not going to play him there. It's one of those weird things where a guy just, there's no really explanation for it, where a guy can really just be awful at a stadium or terrific at a stadium. But it happens, and Arcia's numbers at Nationals Park are off the charts. I mean, he had homered in five straight games in which he'd had in a bat. The guy's, the guy's got, like, he's got one fewer homer this year at Nats Park than Nelson Cruz has. <laughs> you know? So, so that's why Snit played him every day there. Plus, wow. he's playing well. He, he played well there, too. But he's got five homers at, Na- at Nationals Park this year in like 24 bats or something. 25 at bats now. The streak was ended last night. But I mean, so it's, so there was no way Snit was not going to play him. Plus, his defense is good. I mean, Vaughn Grissom's not, you know, spectacular defensively at second base. He, he's just been such a, had such a hot bat that once he slumped, you know, there's no reason you had to keep him in there. So he's going to play kind of the hot hand. And uh, he really likes Arcia's defense. Remember, he, he made a couple of plays last night that were really special. That stretch, I mean, he saved the run. He saved the ball, the throw going into the right field corner in the foul territory with that stretch he made. That was terrific. He looked like a first baseman on that play to me. But so I don't know. I think I don't think I don't think uh, he's going to be back for a wild card series. I, that would really surprise me. But maybe after that, maybe he takes the cast off and starts hitting. But uh I think you're going to go with uh, with Grissom and Arcee and do matchups, basically. Yeah, and he's barely gotten to play this year, so you don't know what you're going to get out of him. You know, I mean, yeah, it's a shame, man. Off. He's going to have to go play in some games to get ready. Uh, it's just it, it's been a tough year for him. Man, one of those years you just like forget about, just write it off. It wasn't meant yep. to be, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He was struggling, then he breaks his foot, and yeah, just then he gets back and he happens. plays. Plays a game and a half and breaks a different bone and a different limb. I mean, that's just that's snake bit, man. <laughs> Got to start eating some cheeseburgers. <laughs> Too lean. Just means he's going to kill it next season. That's all that yep. means. Yep. Yep. Probably does because he is going to come in revved up and ready to go, man. I mean, he's he doesn't have an ounce of fat on his body, but he probably come in ten pounds ten with ten pounds more of muscle, you know, next year. Do you remember uh, the year they they told Hayward he needed to gain weight and he gained thirty pounds of muscle? He came yeah. at two fifty two with not an extra yeah. ounce of fat on him. He was a monster. <laughs> I think Ozzy has some similar genes because he he is shredded. He's shredded. He's like one hundred and sixty five pounds of fast twitch muscle fiber. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's being blessed. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, y'all. That's going to do it for us here on 755 Israel. Thank you to all who turned out to the live room and thank you for listening to today's show. 
We'll be back next week to recap the Mets series. And I think we're all hoping for a favorable outcome in that three-game set. So make sure, if you aren't already following David and Eric on Twitter, make sure you're following the podcast feed. You've left a review, a five-star rating, and also that you're subscribed to us on YouTube. You can find the link to our YouTube channel in the show description. David and Eric, can't wait to talk to you guys next week. And as always, 755 is real. We're out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.